Hello beautiful people and welcome back to episode 7 of Simply Ambivalent. I probably should tell you this is also going to be part one of this story. But anyway, I am your host, Arkea. You can find today's episode on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as usual. Or you can follow me on Instagram at simplyambivalent. That's S-I-M-P-L-Y underscore A-M-B-I-V-A-L-E-N-T. Now let's dive into another simple story. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about an individual by the name of Pamela Hupp. I may call her Pam Pam this episode, but (laughs) we'll see. Um, So let's kind of like get into it. Let's see what uh, Pam's life is about. So Pam basically grew up in a Catholic home. She was described as having a big personality by friends. They said she was a good friend, a great helper, a loving daughter. So all the good stuff they always talk about with people, you know, before they do something crazy and out the way. But, you know, I guess that's not important. Um, In high school, she was described as being boy crazy. I'm sure all y'all got a friend out there that's boy crazy. Uh, You'd be like, girl, you need to sit down and stop worrying about these guys because they do not care about you. But anyway, uh, yeah, so she was considered as boy crazy in high school, big personality. She was a cheerleader at this time. So basically, you know, living in her glory days out here. Uh, By the end of her senior year, she ended up getting pregnant and then she got married. Um, According to those who knew her at the time, they said she was very like sad and resentful of the fact that uh, she never got the opportunity to go to college since she had a child and then she was also married at the time but I think thankfully in her case the marriage only lasted for six years so she pretty much got out of that real quick soon after that she would get married again to a guy by the name of Mark Hupp so this is where she got her last name from um, to others he was described as being a super quiet guy real easygoing. he was also playing in the minor league this time for the Texas Rangers um and when he didn't get drafted he ended up falling back on carpentry as a um basically as his career Uh, as I said before Pam had already had a kid she had a son um, and then soon after that she ended up having another child or her husband now Mark um she have a daughter Uh, eventually um in 1989 the family moved to Naples Florida And then by 2001, they settled back in O'Fallon, Missouri, which is where Pamela was from, or Pam Pam is from. Um, And then they decided, uh, oh, my Lord, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry about that, (laughs) y'all. Got me out here stuttering. And then by that time, they started flipping houses on the side uh, just to make some extra income. Eventually, Pam would end up taking a clerical job at State Farm, and this is where she would meet one of the main characters of the story, Betsy Peria. She was the first person that she met there. Um, Pam was a little bit younger. Well, I'm going to say a little bit, a lot bit younger than um, Pam Pam here. She's probably like 11 years younger than uh, her, but to those around the office, Betsy was super outgoing, very bubbly, a little scatterbrained, you know, definitely giving me some like Daphne vibes. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Scooby-Doo, um, but she was definitely, definitely, definitely loved by like all of her friends. So she didn't really have like any, em- any enemies, uh, which is kind of different from like a lot of like crime stories you always listen to. They'd be like, Oh, you know, as soon as she came in, she lit up the room. I cannot stand that. I cannot stand when I hear, 
As soon as she came in, she lit up the room. I feel like we got to come up with better things for people. Everybody can't light up the room as soon as they come in. But that's that's not important. Uh, her appearance-wise, uh, they said that she, was, she had a round face, curly hair, pink cheeks, bright blue eyes. And interestingly enough, in her part-time, she was a DJ. So I found that, like, super interesting. I would have loved to know Betsy. She seems like a real fun person. Um... Apparently, Pam and Betsy had known each other 20 years prior. It doesn't really say how they knew each other, but they did know of each other. So I'm assuming they were just um, like acquaintances or at least familiar with each other by being in the same town. Um, eventually, Betsy would be diagnosed with cancer. And this is when Pam or Pam Pam and Betsy had uh, pretty much like grown closer um, and became like best friends during this time. Uh, Pam was taking her to all of her chemo treatments. She was taking care of her, just being a super good caregiver at this time. Um, and then in the following months, uh, Pam and Betsy learned that the cancer would end up spreading to Betsy's lungs. Uh, so at this point, I think Betsy pretty much got the idea that she probably wouldn't be living for much longer just based on her situation and also the cancer spreading. Um, so... She decided to plan a cruise. <clears throat> and, um, you know, at this time, I think Pam wasn't able to go, but Betsy still wanted to go, you know, as her, I hate to say it, but like as her like last like trip. Um, she went on the trip. She had a really good time. I think she ended up going with like her husband at that time, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, she had a real good time on the cruise. Um, and then when she came back, uh, Pam was basically just trying to like spend like all her last moments with her and um, just trying to you know just hang out with her friend before things got worse or before her condition got worse uh, also interestingly enough that at this time they were like going to the tennis club she was going to the library with her she was she was doing all kind of stuff but when she went to the library, um, they had a young librarian that was there. And Pam Pam had officially got so close enough to the point where she was uh, the new beneficiary of Betsy's funds, estate, all of this stuff. So, you know, as soon as that happened, I'm like, sus alert, sus alert sis is out here trying to get that coin um and it's kind of sad because i hate when i see things like this where like you have like an old person and she's not even old that's the crazy part but she is dying so she's in a kind of different condition in a different state of mind but you have people like this and then you have like some person who's trying to be a caregiver and not the right kind of caregiver because there's our there are really good caregivers out there but this is just terrible kind that try to take advantage of these people while they're going through like hard times and like take their money um and it's crazy enough to see that he that she had like she was able to basically get this woman's insurance money and she wasn't even like her husband or she wasn't even like her boyfriend or whoever um yeah and it basically it ended up removing her husband actually it ended up removing him so i thought that was just like crazy on this particular night just like any other night russ her man 
<laughs> uh, Betsy's man, I should say, because um, we're diving into another little different part of the story and kind of transitioning into that. Um, Betsy was supposedly supposed to just be at home. It was like every other night, just kind of chilling. So just your typical Tuesday night. Um, her husband, Russ, at the time, he was having dinner with his mom. And then after that, he would end up hanging out with a friend and like five other people. And they would end up playing like role master or talisman, which is kind of just like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, a role playing game. Not familiar with it, but I have heard of it. So I'm not, you know, oblivious to it. Um, Russ was, you know, seems like he was just a very like soft, not soft spoken, but he was a very like manly man. Um, just kind of into whatever stuff like men are into like he liked to fish ride motorcycles um you know the simple stuff <laughs> but his best friends were his mom and then also his wife uh eventually uh betsy would end up encouraging him to go back to school go back to it school so he could land you know pretty much the job of his dream so it seemed like he was a good guy and he had he had a great wife um on the night of Tuesday, December 27th, Russ had worked from home until like 5 p.m. Uh, he called Betsy, he got gas, um, called his mom, and then he told her that, you know, he would eventually end up like swinging by dinner because, as I said, this is a typical Tuesday night for him. And then he promised to Betsy that he would end up picking up the dog food. And then he also had to stop at the gas station because he was out of cigarettes. By that time, he went to one of his friends house uh, Mike uh, at the time around like 6 p.m. but they didn't have enough players so he was just like all right well look let's um, you know just play let's just watch movies because they ended up not having enough people to play the game no one showed up I think they even smoked a little pot <laughs> surprisingly enough which I'm just shocked to see that in here but uh, by that time it was like hitting 9 p.m. and Russ was like all right you know I need to I need to head on back home. Uh, eventually, Russ made it back home. He had picked up the dog food, got his cigarettes, you know what I'm saying? He just coming in for the night, just closing it down, shutting out shop. Um, when he walked in, he saw Betsy lying on the floor. Uh, he saw and that he said it took a long time for him to register that she had blood that was matting in her hair. She had a pool of blood around her neck. Her wrists were slashed open and a black handle of one of their kitchen knives was sticking out of her throat. So his first thought was that she had like tried to kill herself uh, just because of her, you know, cancer diagnosis and the fact that it had spread. But I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, that's, that's a lot for one person to do to sit here and like be able to slash their wrist and slash their neck. Like it's just, I don't know. It doesn't seem viable to me. It doesn't seem like realistic or to see that something like this would even happen. So, of course, like any other person would, he called 911. Because, like, who wouldn't call 911, you know, to talk about their wife who's on the floor, sitting on the floor, lifeless? Once the police and the EMT arrived, they basically just kind of concluded that Betsy had died, unfortunately, more than an hour earlier. Um, but as I told you guys before, they saw that her wrist was slashed, but it also they saw that the knife had been driven all the way to the bone. So 
I don't think no average person gonna be able to do that unless you got Thor on your hand who out here is just super strong being able to stab themselves all the way to the bone and also I'm just like that person would literally have to hate you so much like that is so much force that you would have to like put into like stabbing someone um I think they even said that it had made it like it had sliced into her skull so like holy like holy crap like that is that is a lot of force um and the crazy part about it was is that it was plunged into her left eye her throat was lacerated and it pretty much like cut her corduroy artery um in her neck and eventually she would end up uh bleeding out whenever russ had called the 911 had called 911 his first initial response was that my wife killed herself which is just you know an assumption he had made but of course, when the EMT and the police had got there, they thought he had something to do with it, just with the amount of blood and also just seeing the scene of the crime um, and the stab wounds that she that were presented on her body. After an autopsy was done, uh, they basically concluded that she was stabbed 55 times. So first of all, that tells me that, um, you know, whenever they tell you like it's a crime of passion, uh, people have been stabbed like certain crimes are like more personal um, and a crime like stabbing someone you got to get close to them so you got to be able to get close uh, in a close vicinity of them and then also like it's just I don't know it's just such a personal crime then when like besides like someone just having a gun um, in my opinion like you could do that from far away but with a knife you have to do that up close in the person's face uh, whether that's behind them in front of them um, you have to be you have to be close to that person and you um and you have to have a lot of hate in your heart to be able to even stab someone fifty times continuously. Because I mean like I'm sure like after I don't know, maybe the fifth uh blow, like, you know, they're dead and so you know, it's just excessive. It's very excessive to me. Upon looking through the scene, police had noted that there was a tan suede uh, pair of slippers. It happened to be Russ's slippers, and they had blood uh, stained on the top of those. So, of course, they going to initially think, oh, yeah, he definitely killed his wife. He had something to do with it. Because why are your shoes sitting in the closet with blood all along the side of it? The first officer on the scene was a Lincoln County Sheriff by the name of uh, Chris Hollingsworth. Um, he noted that Russ was, you know, visibly upset, but he didn't have a lot of tears from his eyes. You can't really go by, like, someone's tears sometimes. I'm not saying, like, that's the case for everybody. But everyone grieves differently. He's probably going through shock. But at the same time, as a police officer, you always got to be suspicious of the person just based off their initial reaction of what's going on. But he did say that he was in, like, a state of panic. He was having some difficulty talking and breathing so I think in my opinion you know Russ didn't do it but at the same time some people are great actors so we can't always assume that just because a person is doing all of this um that they haven't done anything wrong because there of course have been cases in the past where people have done this exact same thing but I think sometimes you can at least some for some cases you could kind of tell if someone's like either doing too much or like doing too little just like based off like their initial reaction um eventually 
Russ was kind of just like left alone by himself after the police had uh, left and um, they thought of course like I said that when we were talking about his emotions were over the top um, so yeah they're like oh this is very suspicious this is very this is so suspicious you know um, and they were like oh you know he didn't even go to like embrace his wife his wife is dead why would he get on the floor to go embrace someone that's no longer you know that no longer has life I mean he probably you know initially went there to like go check on her when he first you know got there but um, I just think that was a weird comment that was kind of made by the police as to why um, he was not going to embrace his wife. I'm, like She's gone, so I, I don't know. Of course, as always, in any case, if you're married, your wife, your husband, your spouse, whoever it may be, um, they're going to be the initial suspect. So, of course, they interrogate him, and then they also end up putting him to, through a polygraph. Um, he went through 10 hours of interrogation, um, and he repeatedly told them, like, hey, I wasn't there. I didn't kill her. Um, and, like, in between those, he was crying. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, he was probably just in a jacked-up state of mind uh, going through all of this. He's like, he was just like, I, he had no idea. Um, as to what was happening or as to what was going on and I don't know I just think it's like super messed up that you gotta sit here and interrogate someone for 10 hours and also I mean for a police officer I mean like after hour three I'm just like you know let's just go home because I mean a lot of people by that time they're probably delirious talking out the side of their head and then also a lot of times and in a lot of cases people end up getting false confessions from trying to use these tactics uh, just because like you're no longer able to think straight so I feel like that was really bad on the police department but that was um none of my business but as I said he did take a polygraph they said he failed um and he repeatedly told them hey I found her like that when I got home and by this time you know he was just exhausted and of course the police officers are just trying to tell him like hey you killed your wife you killed your wife um so yeah uh and then of course pam pam comes in with her own little story and she's like yeah you know she was just super scared that she had to leave betsy to Russ, he had a very um, big temper, and he had some like very uh, dark fantasies and some weird things going on. And they, she thought that Russ was a weird man, and I, I just think it's a bunch of you know what. Um, and of course, as any other story goes, just because of early in investigation and because he failed the polygraph, and they think he's just being all over the top. Russ was eventually arrested. In the local newspaper, they headlined the story with marital problems led to stabbing death of Lincoln County women, which I'm just like, ooh, y'all bold to assume that. But hey, that ain't none of my business. Um, of course, Russ corroborated fully with the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. And you know, our girl Pam did too, because she was like, oh, he killed my friend, he killed my girl, da 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 this, this, and that. Little do y'all know, she's just trying to throw off, um, uh, she basically just trying to throw off their trail. 
she even went as far as saying like oh betsy's house just it just looks so dark and it looks so creepy before and the doors are unlocked how would you know that how would you know her doors are unlocked like were you going up to the door like opening did you go inside like how would you know that and also how would you know if her house and whatever it had looked dark before if i was a police officer that would have just be like bing 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 that would have been a big alert in my head like how would you know all of this if you weren't there and how would you know what was in her driveway like because it's not saying like she lived close so i'm assuming she would have to drive by to even get over there so i just found that weird right off the bat but you guys i'm gonna have to stop there because this is gonna be a three-part series of this story i hope you guys enjoyed this part one of the episode and i cannot wait to get into part two and part three because this is gonna be a long story and i'm so excited to talk about our girl pam pam pammy um also you guys when y'all get that second recording it's gonna be some good quality coming in uh, I have my new microphone coming in, so I'm super excited about that. But uh, yeah, y'all be on the lookout for part two. Uh, you can listen to today's episode on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Good Pods. Anywhere you can go listen to a podcast is where you can find me at. Um, thank you guys for listening to today's episode, listening to part one. Um, and I'll catch you guys probably later on this week. I'm not going to let you guys wait till next week for me to put out like all part one two and three of the series i'm gonna put them out consecutively as best as i can but yeah catch me on part two i love you guys and you already know y'all are all my beautiful souls have a great day have a great night whenever you listen to this podcast uh shout out to my boyfriend shout out to my best friend um thank you guys for supporting me shout out to my mom my family shout out to all you guys um for just supporting me anyways bye bye